Welcome to Mindset, Mood and Movement, a systemic approach to human behavior, performance and well-being. Our psychological, emotional and physical health are all connected. And my guests and I endeavor to share knowledge, strategies and tools for you to enrich your life and work. And welcome. I am delighted to be joined by my guest, Yaron. Yaron Engler is joining me today. Um, he's the founder of On Being Men, and he's a specialist with working with men in a whole host of fields. But I'm going to let Yaron go deeper and explain that fully when we get into conversation. And our conversation point today is to talk about how we can go from pain to power. So that's quite a quite an interesting trajectory. And I'm really excited to talk to Yaron about his work with men and how he's taken them on that. Plus, I have some in- interesting points on that. So we're, we're going to jump straight in. So first of all, Yaron, welcome. Really good to have you. Thank you, my friend. It's really great to be here. And I look forward to see what we're going to explore. Me too. So let's let's really get clear. When we talk about pain and power, again, they're, they're words that can take us places. What's your definition of, of pain and power? First of all, I really like the fact that you're starting the conversation with with clarifying definitions because I think a lot of times we talk about things and we don't really know what we're talking about so it will be great to experience that I haven't thought about it before so I'm going to share my spontaneous in the moment answer pain for me that's a really interesting question pain for me is a burden that can be either a teacher or a source of suffering I like that I didn't know it before Power for me, power for me is freedom. Perfect. Really, really, really eloquent. And as we say, it's so, for me, it's so important to get clear on what do we mean by a phrase or a term, because it could mean something different for me as it does to you and to to anyone else. So it's so important to, to get clear. So for me, pain, pain is something which is highly sensitive. I'm a sensitive individual. I have a high sense of it. Um, it hurts. I found it interesting hearing what you said about it being a teacher, and I believe you're right. It can also be a, uh, for me, it can be a suppressor as well. It can become, it pushes me down. So it's a, it's a powerful force. I guess it's how that force is going. Is it pushing us down or pushing us forwards is something that I'm interested in, in, in going into. And power. Well, power's an f- interesting word in my term. Power sometimes makes me think of energy and drive and moving forwards. And other times it can feel a bit dominating. So a little like a shadow and light, there's sort of perhaps different aspects of power. But again, it feels to me, how is it applied? You know, what's the force behind the application? There would be my interpretation. So um, so we've we've kind of got some idea of where we're talking about now. So perhaps we'll start, let's say we're men. Um, Being a man in 2020 is an unusual thing. Certainly I'm I'm over uh, mid-century now. I've been around for on this planet a long time. And it's a funny old thing being a man. Because when I grew up, I was given all these messages, not explicitly in a handbook, but, you know, by my parent, my dad and the culture. And those messages don't fit today. That's what I find. They don't fit today. Some of them do, but then some of them don't. And, and I've had to do a lot of self-work too. A question would be, certainly to you personally, how have you adapted yourself as a man of the, of the world from being a young boy when, when you grew up to the man that you are today? How have you managed? That's a good question. It's interesting that it comes, but I think pain was an amazing guide. At the beginning, something to push away and to try to avoid as much as I can until I understood in my early 20s, I understood that, as I said before, pain can be an amazing teacher. And 
and and a, and a door to a lot of wisdom and a lot of freedom, which again, as I said, power. Power is an interesting word, and I'm sure we're going to touch that more. I didn't have positive role models as men as a child. I'm, I'm, I don't think so. I saw what I saw. I had an inner truth that there was something better than that, but it's hard to really apply that when, we, when I didn't see external examples. But there was something, you know, I suffered from depression from being a teenage for many years. And in my case, it, it was also physical. So I would get stuck with my neck or with my back for two, three days. I could not move. And it happened every two, three months, I would get stuck like that. And in my mid-twenties, through a brother of a, a friend who later on became my girlfriend, um, he introduced me to a, a, a Greenberg method. I don't know if you heard about Greenberg method. But Greenberg method is a form you you they do the analysis through your feet, and then they start to work on the body. And it's all about connection between body, mind, spirit. It's you learn how through breath and work with your muscles, you can really release pain. And it's incredible. Since I did that work, I really learned how to release pains and, and find more freedom in me. So that was part of the release of negativity that I had. But then also, I think another very important milestone for me, apart from acknowledging that pain is I think in my case I didn't really have healthy role models as as a man as a child and I always wanted to find them and it wasn't easy so there are two layers for the answer that I'm going to give you one is I think the thing that really helped me is to find role he healthy role models more or less 10 years ago actually when I heard about this concept of men's work which is what drove me into that because I suddenly saw men that had this very strong capacity to be in what I would call the masculine traits, you know, very direct, strong with business, strong with strategy and, you know, all these kind of traits. But at the same time, they had very easy access to compassion, to love, to, to self-awareness. And, and I really like that overall spectrum that I saw from a man, because for me, it was used to be either the macho guy or the kind of the losery guy or something like this. So that's one thing. The other thing that is in a way contradicts the idea of being a man is I suffered from depression for many, many years in my life. And after, you know, it started when I was a teenager. And in 2010, I learned once and for all to let go of my depressions. And that happened through a deep spiritual path that I took, which helped me see the disconnection from identity. And that everything that we add to this story that we, you know, we live in a story, our life is a story, but it's completely imagination. So I can say many things about myself. I am a man, I am a father, I am, I am whatever, but it doesn't really mean anything from that space of depth of spirituality. So in a way, disconnecting from the idea of a man as well, helped me become um, the man that I am right now. So there is a contradiction there. I, I love that. Uh, a contradiction, I would probably also a paradox, which is, of course, a, mm. uh, holding two, two opposites at the same time, which feels like there's a lot of that in the world, but we don't see it. Our brain slash mind is very much built on binary. Certainly in our Western culture, we're very much binary thinking. It's either this or that. You're a man or you're a woman. You're a, you're a tough guy or you're a pussy. What, whatever these binary terms are. 
But that's not actually true in my experience of life, certainly my personal and my professional. And I'm really curious that you said there, but that unhooking of identity, that's such an interesting one. Because identity, you know, it's we, we defend it, don't we? We're like, I am whatever, I'm this, I'm that. And if someone says that you're not, it's very hurtful. And yet it's really interesting if we challenge that assumption, that, that construct, that story we've either told ourselves or somehow, you know, like, like clothing, just managed to put all these clothes on and like, oh, I'm, I feel this is who I am. Can I, I'd love to go, because the word spiritual, again, can take us off into different terminology. What's your interpretation of spiritual? So we can understand how you perhaps got to to, to that connection. You, you have really good questions. You know, you ask me to define things that I use on a daily basis, yet I never really defined. So what is spirituality? I think my interpretation of spirituality would be an inquiry for truth. Like, you know, instead of protecting my identity, I prefer to spend my time to feel what is true to me, because when I find what is true to me and I can apply it, I feel free. And if I said before, freedom is power. When I try to protect my identity, I am getting lost in ego, in, in a lot of things that I found really um, damaging, to be honest, to my life experience. So for me, the, this spirituality is a beautiful inquiry again, yeah, to, to find some freedom and peace and quiet. Wow, that's really special. That's such a powerful way of interpretation. I'm really touched by that. Um, I, I kind of want to speak to my interpretation of spiritual as well, because when I was younger, I thought it was all about a religion. Then I just realized that religion was a particular thing. And I was lucky enough to be involved in uh, Dwaita Vedanta, which is the uh, ancient Sanskrit practice of non-duality. I got involved with that many years ago. And it did a similar thing to try and inquire what is truth and, and to go beyond the assumptions that we all have. And in many ways, we can't live without assumptions. Otherwise, it'd be a very confusing world. But to believe the assumptions are true perhaps is dangerous or limiting. And I'm, and I'm always fascinated to hear when we, we challenge something or, or question and say, yeah, but is that really true? Or perhaps is it really true in my experience? Can open us up. Because if someone's in pain and wants to change, it feels like there needs to be some movement. There needs to be some movement either with the pain or out of the pain. But if there's no movement, it's, you know, you're stuck in that, that and it's not a nice place. So when we think about moving out of pain, what's, what other powerful ways are you working either on yourself or with the guys that you work with to help that, that trajectory, that moving out of pain? So using it as the doorway, as you said, what, what? It's, it's interesting. It's to do the complete opposite. It's instead of moving out of pain, it's to lean into the pain. I think most of the sources of our problems in life is by the fact that we are avoiding things. A question that I would ask the people that I work with the same as I ask myself is what am I avoiding? And the thing that I'm avoiding, that's what I would say, okay, it's time to lean into that. Because if I'm avoiding a tough conversation with my wife, because we have tension between us, I can continue to avoid it and avoid it. The relationship is going to get more tangled and more tangled and more tangled. And we see the outcome of so many divorces, so many separations, so many toxic relationships, so many, uh, the commonality of talking about the wife or the husband, like, oh yeah, kind of talking behind the back as if it's a burden, instead of something that it should be like, wow, I really love my wife. 
I really am connected. So if, if I'm avoiding to have the tough conversation, I'm just leading to more pain. If instead of avoiding that pain, I'm leaning in and I'm having, hey, something isn't working here. And my voice can be a little bit, you know, trembling and whatever, and I can be shaky, whatever the trauma is, but I'm leaning in and through that I can release the pain. Same thing with work. There is this phone call or that email or this conversation that you are avoiding. And that creates you to feel more lost and more disengaged and more pissed off and more resentful. If instead, like, no, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to make that phone call and I'm going to allow myself to face that person, whatever. And, and, and in the work that I do with men, it's a lot about how to embody the traits that you want to have in those conversations. So it goes deeper than that. But it's always, instead of going out of pain, I'm inviting people to go in. Now, it's not a surprise that there are not a lot of men that are willing to go there. You know, there is a lot of stuff that invites us to kind of go around it and play, you know, around the bushes. Uh, this is not my approach because I didn't find it useful. I found it very, very useful to lean in and deal with stuff for real. At the same time of doing that spiritual practice where you start to really get to know, and I'll choose my word carefully, what you are, not who you are. The who is again that identity, but to understand what I am and move my life from there. This is how... I deal with pain. I found it wow. super profound. useful. It really is profound. It's, it's work I've had to get involved in myself. I've trained as a psychotherapist. So psychotherapy is a, is a generally a going to the darker places in a, with a person. I, I've moved slightly on from the psychotherapeutic model now to a more of a coaching model, but I've too done years of therapy and looking at the pain and pain's an interesting thing. I, I'm, I'm fascinated in neuropsychobiology, like how the, the physical system of our mind body works as well. And pain is a very acute signal that's what it is really if we talk about you know how the body's responding it's a very acute signal we we have uh, nociceptors in our in our body so they, they are actually they're often called pain receptors but i heard someone recently describe them as threat receptors and i thought it was quite interesting about these parts of our body which are saying hey there's a threat whether it's you could burn your arm on a hot stove or you could you know bang your hand on a solid wall or something like that but when we think of pain if it's a signal it's a sign. Signal and sign are the same thing. So what is the sign telling us? And that's what I'm hearing you're, you're, you're helping people figure out. Like, so what is that sign? And it's interesting because we often have a reaction to pain, which is quite, well, it's neurological, right? You know, if you, if you, the classic, if you're a kid, you burn your hand on the stove, you pull your hand away. It happens before thinking. I think it happens in a 20, 20th of a second. It's a really quick time. But it's before the thinking brain comes online and says, that's, that's not good for us. So I do question and I wonder if our response to, say, emotional pain, say, a difficult conversation with partner or someone at work, if we're having the same, almost like the amygdala part of the brain, the old brain saying, like, alert, stay away, we need to get the front part, the, the present part online to say, what's the signal? What is that? Rather than just let's move away from it. Because if we keep moving away from pain, we're, we're being hunted. We're being chased by the pain. And I think that's a really interesting point that I'd, I'd love your thoughts on. Yeah, it's, I really like what you just said. And, and for me, what I'm noticing, let's take fire. You know, if I put my hand into a fire, I immediately go away because it's, it, it hurts physically. We also have the understanding 
that fire is great for us and we use it for many, many different ways. So there is the differentiation there between, okay, it can cause pain, but there are more benefits for some reason, and especially with men because of stigma, because of society, because of social norms, because of whatever it is, because of, again, not so great role models, um, male role models. When it comes to emotional pain, because it's also a little bit less tangible, you don't really see it. We don't see it. When we get the burn, we run away and we don't go back anymore because we're not really given the tools to deal with emotional pain, especially as men. You know, the, the, the usual cliches of, you know, don't be a pussy, man up, all these kind of things. And I always say that because it is important also. We are being taught in school, you know, what happened in 1827, how to calculate angles of triangle, never use this kind of stuff in life. You know, it would be more useful if they teach us how to put a shelf straight on the wall, how to create saving accounts, and how to be more emotionally capable to handle the challenges in life. Because in the end of the day, this is what we are all craving. We are craving to love and be loved, yet. Wherever I look around me, most people are guided by fear, not by love. And for me, this, this is another great question that I ask myself on a regular basis. Am I acting from fear or am I acting from love? And when it comes to pain, I can choose. Am I acting from fear or am I acting from love? The choice is extremely obvious for me, yet the choice that the majority of us take is is acting from fear, which causes more fear, which is called more pain, which is caused more fear, which is caused more... It's a chain. Yeah. So, yeah. For those who, who follow my podcast and like my um, little snippets of neuroscience, there's, um, there's three levels to the brain, not literally, but this is an old piece of idea called the triune brain. There's the very old part, which is, they call it the lizard brain. So it's the bit that runs the heart rate, blood pressure, uh, lungs, breathing, responses. Then the mammal brain, which is the emotional center of the limbic brain, and then the neocortex. Just going very quickly because we can get caught up in neuroscience. But what we forget as human systems with our iPhones and our businesses and our cultures is that we're still animals at heart. We're still, we've got all those primary systems. And the primary systems are called primary for a reason. Not only were they first, they act first. And I think it takes some from really self-aware as you said about being spiritual being really questioning about how am i reacting who is reacting here as well is another question i ask is it me is it my dad is it an idea of a bloke that i think i should be if we don't stop and question we are in a state of reaction if we do stop and question and and, and of course use a breath and like literally breathe for a little bit like let's get part of that mind or brain online to say, where am I coming from? Love, fear. Who's responding now? Then we don't get out of that cycle of pain. Do you know, another thing that strikes me, Yaron, is that I remember when I was a kid, I was, I've always been highly sensitive. Now that used to be at ribs, like sensitive. Now I realize it's a skill set. It's like having 4D technology. I'm aware of everything, but it can be overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> But when you're super sensitive, like you feel a lot, like literally, I mean, I feel a lot physically and mentally, emotionally. It can be overwhelming, but it can also be revealing. And if you show, and my experience of being a boy when I grew up in the 70s, of showing, if you showed stuff, which was anything other than what the social construct was, rather than be tough, and it wasn't tough, there is this 
I know I got laughed at. I can remember peers being laughed at for stuff. And there's that quality of shaming that can go on. Whether kids know this or whether people know, right, that there's something wrong with you because you've expressed an emotion or a feeling. And shame something I, I've had to do loads of work on myself. I continue to do work on I talk about it a lot with people, certainly the men I work with. I'd like to get your insights on shame because it's this sneaky, powerful, kind of damaging energy or emotion, whatever we want to call it. And it really, for me, has stopped me so many times in my life until I faced it. Like you were saying, face your pain. What would you, perhaps you could share more on your thoughts about shame and how that works with, certainly with men and, and moving from pain. It's really interesting that you're asking that because we literally just this, on Tuesday, we did a session with one of the groups around shame and it's a very challenging session, but beautiful because again, it's leaning in and on the other side, guys suddenly feel like, wow, I'm free from this thing that I've been holding with me, inside me that nobody knew for 20 years. Suddenly, like it doesn't matter anymore. And it's, and there are two things I would like to mention. First of all, it's important to differentiate between shame and guilt because they're, they're similar. And I think a lot of times we mix them. Shame is more connected to kind of an feeling that something is wrong with me as a being, you know, something was the way I was built is wrong. It's kind of very, very ingrained in the sense of beings. I am something isn't right about me. Guilt is very similar, but it's more about an ac some action that I did. So with guilt, it's easier to, there is someone that you can, again, lean in and have a conversation, apologize, clean the thing. With shame, it's more about your relationship with yourself. And then you probably know Brené Brown. She has a, a, a sentence which I think is just bang on. And it says, shame cannot survive being spoken. I have seen this so many times that when we allow ourselves to speak our shame in a safe space where we can just share this thing, and it's amazing with the groups of men, because a lot of times I see men that literally held this really dark, horrible, painful, suffer-causing thing in their being for literally 5, 10, 20 more years, pick it out. And the funny thing that happens, first of all, feel free. There is a little bit of like, oh shit, this is like a bit scary. But, but then once it's done, they feel free. But also this... this realization that they suddenly see, they will see in the, in the space, three, four, five other men saying, me too. And then you understand that this dark thought that you had about yourself, that you are ugly, that you're stupid, that you're not good enough, that you are whatever it is that the three is, is like, oh shit, I'm not alone. And it's actually just common and so on. And I think it's really important because so many of us, and I used to be there, I'm no longer in that space because I've done a lot of work on myself, but if you are someone listening to this and you judge your, the way you think, the way you feel as something is wrong with you, trust me, if somebody would put a mic on anybody's thoughts, we would all be either in prison or in a mental asylum, all of us. So everything is okay. And again, take this, shame cannot survive being spoken. Beautiful. That's a great beautiful. tool that I believe in. Absolutely beautiful. Yes, I know Brenny Brown's work. I've used it. I've cited it. And it's, it's powerful for, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for, for listeners if you don't already know Brenny Brown. And it's so powerful what you said there and it's something I've experienced and clearly you're, you're working with him, naming it, saying, hey, I feel like this. I feel whatever that is. It releases the power. It's, it's like it dispels its magic charge, doesn't it? For me, it's like once you've spoken it, particularly if you've been witnessed, 
And someone who's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, me too. And that's, oh, that's okay. And the witnessing and the speaking is a really powerful thing. Is that something you've experienced? No, but I just had like a really interesting, you know, it's think about like a, a, a water that is getting stuck and you have the hole there and you see that something is stuck and it's like, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to, But if you just go and touch it and you move it, the water starts to flow. It's exa- and I love what you said because it, the image came very strong for me that it's just that. We need to, again, it's yeah. about leaning. For me, in. there's something, and I want to speak around the body of this and embodiment. So I, I do a lot of uh, my regular listeners, you'll know for new people. So I work with the mind, I work with emotions, and I work with the body. I'm so interested in how we use physical movement in an intelligent way. And I don't just mean to grow big muscles and, and be cardiovascularly efficient, even though that's really good. If our body is functioning and moving well, it's a processing system. It processes trauma. It creates all sorts of things that work our brain and hence our mind is in a different state. And all experience is embodied to some degree. I had a share something personal. I had a, a treatment done recently, uh, a fascia treatment. So those who don't know, if you have a certain deep tissue massage, fascia is the connective tissue. And there's some deep work going in there. And my, my, my guy did a bit of work on an old scar, 30-year-old scar in the body. I thought, it's fine. You know, I've, been, I've had a lot of work done. And he did some work on it. And the next, through the night and the next day, oh, the anger and the fury and then the fear. Literally, I was as if I was drunk and I hadn't drunk any alcohol. It was as if I was drunk. I said to my partner, like, you know, just give me space. Just, I need space. It's something's got triggered and released. It's coming up. And, and it went, literally, it was 24 hours and it just sort of faded away. So there's so much in our body and we want to get closer to our body as well. The embodiment, the physicality. What are you doing, Yaron, that brings men into their bodies and, and, and does any form of body? I'm curious to what you might use in your practice. Well, there's a lot. As you know, I'm sure that you have many, many practices. I think, you know, I, I won't go into all of it because it's it's useless. But I think as a first step, is it's just to, it comes back to what we spoke about before. It's to build awareness. So again, just as a simple form, we are so busy as men, especially in our we are in our heads, thinking constantly, and it's about allowing myself to okay, there is thinking, but what is going on with my body, and really to start developing the awareness of. Uh, sensations in the body that we have we don't even notice so something that i really like to do and i do it very often is kind of a body scan it's a form of simple meditation you draw people into breathing a little bit and then i tell them like notice where you carry tension in your body right now and for example i am now as i speak to you i'm noticing that i have some tension in my throat which is a common place for me it's a chakra that i haven't yet released i'm still work in progress uh, but by noticing it, then I can start to change my breath or to change my posture a little bit or not and just acknowledge, oh, here is a teacher. There is a teacher here that told me that I am holding tension in one part of my body. What does that mean? And then to spend some time with it. And it's, it's to start using the body as a guide that if there is tension, I can slowly release the tension. And if I start to release the tension in my body, I will release more potential for thinking, for relaxing, and so on. Uh, a lot of people don't notice that they have headaches all the time, that they have pain in the neck all the time. And, and then we're surprised that we are constantly angry, frustrated, ta-ta-ta. And that's the thing. Okay, so pay attention to the body 
and start releasing that and you'll see that again the impact will be on all the other ingredients that you're more interested in your level of clarity confidence and so on yeah it did um i've done body scans and if you if if, if our listeners haven't done it it's really a case of going to any part of the body a lot of us start from the feet up and you spend time noticing now i'm fascinated i have a lot of kinesthetic awareness it's perhaps a, a natural intelligence i was given and i've done huge amounts of physical training and uh, i'm very connected to my body i've worked with people who've been traumatized for different reasons and with different situations and they've had a really difficult time connecting with their body so for some of us connecting with our body is difficult so I would say wherever we are at, start with the most obvious. And I almost guarantee you can connect with your fingertips. So here you can be touching your fingertips. There's reasons for this. There's more neurons in your, your nerve cells in your fingertips, your lips and your tongue than anywhere else in your body. So if, if that's the least you do, rubbing your fingertips will give you a feel of what's going on just physically. And it starts at the subtle. And some of the guys I've worked with, we go gross, like the big stuff. So if you carry a heavy weight or let's say you do a heavy deadlift, you really have to pay attention to your body to do the exercise because it's so overt and, and demanding. And it can start there. It can start there for guys. I found that's a really powerful way. Go heavy, go intense and go there. And then if you're luckier, you might be able to go towards the yoga practice where you spend time and it's really, really subtle. But it's start where you have some connection would be my 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 work on that i will start with where we can find connection and then we expand from there what what what's your thoughts on that i think the gym uh, example is great and that's a great space for men actually to start building that awareness and to literally work on it in a way that they can notice so i have seen so many times in gyms trying to lift a weight we are pulling breathing and and that's the complete opposite of what we should do so the invitation for men, if you are someone who goes and does weight, next time you lift, instead of tensioning and tensing everything, try to release and to take a deep breath in. And as you exhale and you lift the weight, relax your body instead of ten creating tension. It's contradictive, but um, doing the, the gym actually is a perfect place. You know, I'm still waiting for the gym that instead of putting also this kind of music that takes you all kind of out of yourself what if we do gyms that have a more relaxed music that invite you to slow things down and to lift those weight from a place of relaxation instead of place of uh, forcing we are forcing too much in our lives instead of creating from just a more relaxed and free space forgive me i'm chuckling in the background as you're on speaking <laughs> i go to a popular gym it's a really great gym i won't name it but and sometimes I see some guys there doing the face and the faces, it's squeezed eyes, the jaws like crazy. And, and, and I could almost guarantee they need to go triple on that weight because I've been made to do it by some of my trainers. Like they'll just go, no, go double. We're like, what? That's when you really would pull that face because it is beyond almost the edge of possibility. What is interesting about your thing, and it's both funny and also concerning, is we need to help. I think when we're moving, whether it's weights, whether it's yoga or whether it's walking down the road, we have tension and we can be tense and they are very different phenomena. So physically and emotionally, you could be tense, which is tight, which is resistant, which is a free state, which is kind of tantamount to moving towards a trauma type experience. It's also perhaps a depressed state. It's locked down. Whereas tension is the right amount of force that your body might need to walk or to lift or to carry. If we misunderstand the two and get binary, we go, we're tense or we're soggy. We're in problems. 
So the right amount of tension, and I had very fortunate experience in yoga. I did a lot of yoga for years, became a yoga teacher and learned about tensional forces. And biotensegrity is one of the terms. So the, the tensional integrity of the body. The same I see with the mind, Yaron. This is such an interesting thing that people have tension in, in the mind. It's like, okay, I need to focus on something. Or they're tense, like, oh my God, I've got to do this. And I think if we are softer, more with the feeling, and this is everything you're saying, and I love it. We're with that feeling, whether it's a heavy weight or whether it's a challenge at work or a difficult conversation, the right tension, but not tense, is possibly how we're going to navigate that, that challenge in front of us. And just to build on that, a great put, just to connect things with what we said before, it's to observe where you're coming from. Are you coming from love or are you coming from fear? What I mean by that is those guys that you say that are like, oh, like this, what actually guides them to lift such a big weight? It's if we take it down and we drill down, it is fear. I'm not good enough. I need to look strong. I need to, it's, 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 and if someone goes to the gym for a place, I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to take care of myself. I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to take this weight, take a deep breath and lift it because I do it for myself. That's coming from, from love. So all these things, it's, yeah, the, the, the tense and the tension, this, it's to, again, an, analyze for yourself, where am I coming from? And that will help you to guide yourself to, to what you said, to the, to, to the positive path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. I've been there. I've done it where I've shown up at a gym or training session where I've, I've tried to prove because my own insecurities, my own shame has been sneaking up in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, and then I'll catch it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? No one gives a damn anyway. And I move because of all of the health markers for health, for mental, physical, emotional. But, and I say this to everyone I work with, Exercise has got the wrong concept in our culture. Exercise is freedom. Exercise should be joy. It's vitality. Who doesn't want more of that? And there are ways to do it. But if you come at the gym or whatever training you're doing and you're trying to prove something, you're trying to fill a hole of insecurity, the weight will never be heavy enough. It just won't. I love that. I love that. And again, I totally relate to it. And I still catch myself. It's again, it's a work in progress forever. It's not like I'm, you know... But it's good to catch ourselves and clean and clear because then again, we have more power. We have more freedom. So let's bring our, let's kind of bring our, our trajectory. So we're, we're really speaking like, okay, how can we move from pain to power? And it feels like we're really naming the key components about seeing it, being with it. And some of the, the, the ways to start understanding where are you coming from? So if we move our attention more towards how do we, we're going closer towards power now in, in, in this space. We, you defined power earlier and... I'm wondering about power. I'm wondering about, you know, trying to embody this myself, the pain I've been through and as a place of power. How can we get more power? So perhaps what are we aiming for? What is it? You describe freedom. I describe movement autonomy. But what's, what are some of the strategies you've been deploying, both for your own experience and, and the men you're working with, to start tuning to what is power? How do we go towards it? So for me, as I said, it, power for me is freedom. And when I say freedom, it's the freedom from the identity that I'm supposed to be something or someone. 
once I remove that pressure and understand that I no longer need to live by what my parents are expecting from me, what society expects me, what I should be doing, but I'm, I'm investigating more what is it that is driving me, not even what it is that I want, because that's another, hmm, what is it that drives me? And we can connect this to the, the word purpose, which is a big word, you know, but I, I do believe that spending time to let some kind of thing that is a drive, a why, whatever the language, again, language is a funny thing, but we all know that there are things that pull us that we will do anyway. That it's, and a lot of us, because we spend a lot of time in our head, we, we forget about this and we start to kind of go follow the, the unwritten rules and some written rules and, and, and it's miserable. So by disconnecting from that identity and that need to do something because I'm supposed to and spending time in really defining who am I and what do I want to create, and then I can create freedom. And then I can, through that freedom, I, I, again, power is a funny word, as you said, because when I think about power, it's like, all this macho. And if people are still chasing that, I find it funny, to be honest. And so it's not really what I'm talking about, because for me, power is presence, is freedom. Um, so again, I think the lack of identity the relaxation into what is instead of what's supposed to be. And yes, and spending some time in, in feeling beautiful. into what is my purpose? Yeah, what is it that I'm beautiful. meant to be here? Power is presence. Wow, that is a line. I, I'm all about presence because if you're not, if you don't exude presence in life, where are you? <laughs> you're, you're somewhere in the past, you're somewhere in the future. They're, based, they're both abstractions or in reality. If you're not really with what you're doing, then you don't have presence and power. You know, if we think for a second, what do I want? You know, what do I want for life? And I don't know many people are that different. And I know, yeah, you might want this car or that house or this job. They're kind of the expressions. But what do we want? We want to feel good. We want to feel loved. We want to feel safe. Whatever those feelings are, they're all generally positive feelings. Most people want the positive stuff. And freedom, presence. Those are wonderful ways to express yourself and to be. And of course, when we think about freedom or the opposite, being trapped or, or shut down, if you're driven by an idea or the past or a construct of what a man should be, what you should be, you need to get free of that because otherwise it's, 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 it's a box. And I'm really fascinated to, to sort of talk a bit more about freedom. It's a value that I hold dear. Freedom is something which, for me, I'm just going to caveat this. It's not about just sitting on the sofa doing nothing. It's, it's free to choose, free to be present, free to learn. So it's quite a dynamic thing that connects to things as opposed to, I don't have to go to work today. That's just not doing anything. <laughs> so my term of freedom is, is having volition and energy to go towards and learn. Are you helping people uncouple that old narrative and connect with freedom. Do you actually do you help people say like this is your freedom? How are you working with some of the guys you're working with who might have strong connections to the past identity and yet want to move towards power? What what are some of the strategies you're you're using? There are many ways that I can work with men, and I think probably the best way to describe it is I, I created a very simple framework that really helps men understand where we are playing. So we are using a lot of tools, but it will all fall into that crop framework and crop. First of all, we like to talk about meanings of, of words here. So the meaning of crop, 
there are two meanings. One is something that we're planting in the ground in order to nourish ourselves later on, that it will come as a crop, which is something that I feel is a good strategy for life. Um, and to be very careful with what we're planting, of course. And the other meaning is, you know, like in Photoshop, we have a lot of picture and a lot of stuff. And we like to crop the thing that really matters to us. The same thing with life. You know, we have the mortgage, the kids, the thing, the work, the whatever, the going to the gym. There's a lot of noise. How can we let go of everything, all the noise and keep what, we, what truly, truly matters to us? And, and crop comes from the C-R-O-P. And I'll start from the end. What we want in that sense of freedom that we're talking about is, is peace, play and potential. We want to play life with our potential and to really enjoy a free life, fun of where we connect with people, where we have fun. In order to be in that peace space, we need to move to the O. And the O is what we have been talking about. It's to have a much deeper observation of what's going on. How am I acting? Why am I thinking like this? Why am I speaking like this? What is actually going on here? And the more self-aware I become to what's going on, the more I can then act in life. In order to do that self, to that observation, I need to know who I am. And that takes me to the R. The R is reconnecting. Reconnecting with who you truly are, not what you've been told, not all the stories, all the masks that we put, but really reconnecting with something really, really deep that is you. And in order to do that, comes the sea, which is where the heavy lifting of the work is happening. That's the cleansing and clearing. And that's a lot of unlearning. You know, we live in a world where we constantly need to learn more things and we get more and more information. I go in the other way. I'm telling you, we're going to cleanse and clear a lot of shit that you've accumulated, that it makes you feel that you're something or someone, but it's actually killing you because it's not. And so we do a lot of practices around the clean. We spoke about shame. We clear the shame. We, spoke about, we talk about habits around the, the information that we consume and the food that we consume and a lot of things. And we start to let go. Naturally, once we start to let go, it's like a hard disk. You know, you take a hard disk that is full. The computer says, eh, 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 I'm full, no more space. You take the hard disk out. You start to cleanse a lot of files. And then by doing that, you can plug the hard disk and suddenly there is space for new programs, new apps that are more relevant for you. So coming back, we do the cleansing and clearing of a lot, which naturally, this reconnection with who you truly are just bubbles up naturally. And that can be scary for a lot of men because what comes up as truth can contradict the way you lived your life for 10, 20, 30 years. And that can be scary. And this is where a space like the men's group is really good because you will be encouraged to go there, lean in, compared to your habitual environment where people tell you, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? And a lot of judgment. So you do the cleansing and clearing, you reconnect with who you are, you start to observe yourself and life in a very different way, and then you start to play to potential. And actually I can add another P, the power. I didn't think about it before, man. It's uh, something that comes out of this conversation. Beautiful. Yeah, crop P, I love it. Thank you. It's, really, it's a really elegant model. It's clear, it's simple, and it has a, a beautiful life cycle to it. And it's, it's really powerful. You're, you made a point there, which I'm really struck by. And I want to kind of, I want to speak to it, which is when you change, other people may, may not be ready for that. So I've had it with my coaching clients where they've done deep existential work and they're like, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm done with being the person I am. I'm going to change. And I work with them in my own unique way, but not too dissimilar from you. But to caveat that, if you're in a place of change, people may not be on board with you changing. People know, may really struggle with that because as humans, we, we like homeostasis. We like what, what we know. It's status quo bias is a thinking bias. Anytime we change or if our partner changes, 
that can be challenging for the other. So if you're embarking on change work, I would definitely say let your close people know and say tell them what's likely to happen. You want them on board, right? You want them on board if they're doing this kind of process as opposed to surprising the life out of them and like, oh, suddenly you're different. What are you up to? And then creating more disruption. So it's it's definitely if you're going through an evolution point in your identity as a person, particularly as a man, I would say bring the other in. It also demonstrates vulnerability. And it also means when you speak of it, we are still distinguishing any bits of shame because we've spoken about it. That's that's my experience of of when someone really changes. Have you seen that, Yaram? Yes, but I would like to add another piece to that. I think it's a, it's a good take to, to tell the people around you, but I want to be very honest as well. When you really go there and you start to change, there is a price sometimes, and it could very much be that people that are very close to you as if, because they're not really if you look at it, but people that are you consider to be very close, but you feel that there is a disconnect, you would naturally start to feel that, that there is more and more disconnect. Now again, that sounds scary, and this is why we avoid this, but, and this is where I, the value of leaning in, imagine if you start, you know, you clear again the hard disk from, from people that might pull you back or hold you back or judge you, what if you understand that by doing that you clear the space and you will be with people who understand you better, who can really acknowledge what you do and, and appreciate this, who can really inspire you and make you think and feel things that you want, but you don't have access now because you're a little bit limited. So there are two things. There is the preparation of people around you. And, and naturally, you will see that some people join into the journey, but some people will drop on the way. And it's okay because you'll find others. So yeah, it's an important point. And another thing I just want to mention about before, you, you mentioned crop as, a, as a, a kind of a complete life cycle or something like this that you mentioned. I want to be very, very clear. As you and I said before, what I said about crop, it's not that we graduate from cleansing and clearing, we then reconnect and then we observe life and then everything is great and potential. No, it's a continuous cycle. And every time we go deeper and deeper and deeper, as you said, you catch yourself still, I catch myself still. And this is another concept that I think is important to break, which is as men, we are looking for solutions and we want to solve things and get to it. You will never get to it. And as you already know, whatever was your biggest achievement in life, really like the biggest, biggest, how long did you celebrate for? Two hours, a day, maybe you went crazy for a week, and then life comes back in a cycle. So let's stop kind of touching to the results. Go there and have them because they're nice postcodes to aim for, but really be present, enjoy what you're doing on the path because... I, well, I like to say this, we can either think about life or we can live it. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I think it is, I think it's an important point to bring ourselves gently to a close. Are you thinking about your life or are you going to live it? Thinking is safe because it's in your own head. It's an abstract. It's fantasy a lot of the time. Living it is real, smelly, tough, beautiful, elegant. All of the above. So you can either live an idea of life, we can live the real life. I guess we get to choose, right? So you're on. We can speak for hours. It's such a delight to have you on. I know you do amazing work with men. We shall leave your details in the show notes for guys who want to learn more about your on. You can reach out through the contacts in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you. I hope, dear listener, that some of these points have triggered you, got you thinking. If you're feeling a bit scared, that's not a bad thing. As Yaron has already said, 
lean into it. But of course, if you feel like you need support, go find the right people. There's plenty of us out here. Change is possible. Till the next time, dear listener, take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe. And if a friend would benefit from hearing this, do send it on to them as well. If you would like to get in touch yourself, then you can go to my website, which is saljeffries.com, spelled S-A-L-J-E-F-F-E-R-I-E-S, saljeffries.com. Hit the Get In Touch link, and there you can send me a direct message. If you'd like to go one step further and learn whether coaching can help you overcome a challenge or a block in your life, then do reach out and I offer a call where we can discuss how this may be able to help you. Until the next time, take care.